and welcome to Aldi's Mamia and Me podcast. I'm Jen Hogan and today I'm joined by holistic sex educator Jenny Keane, otherwise known as the Orgasm Queen. There's a title and <laughs> a know. half, Jenny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Orgasm Queen is pregnant. Tell me how you're doing. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Yeah, I feel brilliant. Yeah, loving my maternity pants. <laughs> the Life and maternity pants are brilliant. <laughs> That's all I have to say. This is the thing they don't focus enough on. Yeah. The maternity pants, the joys of being able to, you know, to have space, yeah. to breathe comfortably, oh, to yeah. Oh, yeah. just comfort, to have That's that excuse it. for comfort. Absolutely, yeah. And I just love, I'm, I'm really enjoying the experience as well. And part of me is like, oh, I don't want it to be over so soon. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally okay. get that. No, because people talk about, you know, oh, it, it, you're nearly there as if, you know, you've survived, you've yeah. got through it. But I, I was like that. I kind of... Not that I, well, I did. I kind of enjoyed being pregnant. I mean, there were parts of it I didn't like, yeah. you know, I did. I I didn't like being cumbersome and I didn't like, um, I didn't like morning sickness. I didn't like stuff like that. And some of the worries that, that mm. went with it. But, but it's, a, it's, it's still a really special experience, isn't it? It's that, oh, yeah. and you're still going, I can't believe my body's doing this. Yeah. Like, I can't. Um, I also feel like my body is changing so much like from week to week yeah. and it's just so it's I, I'm like I'd love more time to like experience this part without going to the next part yet you know yeah. that kind of way and like the feeling feeling the movement and some of this like inside of your body it's I haven't even got words to describe what that feels like it's just it's like wonderment and yeah. awe and you're just like but then also it's like oh of course it's happening but then you know that you have these moments of like I'll, I'll be going for a walk and I'll see a baby in a pram and I'm like there's one of those inside my they're like sitting in my pelvic bowl right now like this, this is crazy it's <laughs> mad like I know like you said you know what it, you know of course it's happening you know what it all is you know it's it's just mad when it's happening to you it's yeah. just it's just totally crazy and like how are you dealing with I mean you mentioned there even the sort of things about you know being your body changing and for you and your work I know we're going to talk about that now in a minute yeah, yeah. but you know being your, your body and being familiar with your body and I suppose even that change, how do you, how are you coping with that? Do you find it a challenge or have you found any aspects of it a challenge? Mm, not really. Like I feel like I I have been used to my body changing all of the time, like through my entire life. Like my weight has never been stable. I've, I've, I'm someone who fluctuates, you okay. know, depending yeah. on, you know, what my lifestyle looks like and how I'm living. Um, so I haven't really found that difficult to navigate at all. It's for me, it's more so I have to say, like, I'm very thankful for the amount of movement practices that I have at my yeah. disposal because the amount of change that I have felt like in terms of like I, there's moments where I'm like I feel like my ligaments are stretching right now and I can feel exactly which ones yeah. are you know I can feel like my bones are moving and I, I was feeling a lot of that especially like around around the second first into second trimester and I was very thankful that I was really able to follow like the way my body wanted to mm. move and um, so for me it's more so I, I've been kind of approaching this like just from a place that I kind of approach everything from just being like extremely curious about like thoughts I'm having the emotions that I'm feeling like even having you know like these kind of uh, they feel like hormonal surges mm. to me sometimes you know um, and I'll tell my partner like okay prepare prepare Brace yourself yeah, prepare yourself <laughs> I feel like something's happening you know <laughs> and he's or, or I'll be very quiet one day and normally I'm not very quiet yeah. you know like I've, I'll be a chatterbox you know if I'm very quiet he's like well, is everything okay okay today and I'm just like feeling a bit emotional <laughs> so just hold on <laughs> you know so it. yeah but it's just it's just been a it's it's a really nice um we're like yeah. myself my partner we're having a lot of fun like during the experience like sometimes there's been moments like where I've really just gone crazy like in terms of like the hormonal feelings that I've had you know and he's so good he's very grounding I would say like he feels like very earthy to me you know and he just kind of lets me go and then he then he then he'll come back in and be like and everything's okay, you know. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you is need, okay. isn't it? You don't need you don't need a fellow hormonal person. Oh, yeah. who's going to who's yeah. going to go off with you. That's that's what we all need. This kind of earthy grounding when we're pregnant. Yeah, and maybe at other times. Yeah. <laughs> maybe at other times. Yeah, in all the time. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what you do because, you know, we were talking yeah. about, you know, you being really busy and having to slow down a little bit. And, and what is a holistic sex educator? Because, 
this isn't something you set out to become, is it? This is, you didn't no. have quite a straight. Tell us, tell us how you ended no. up being like, a holistic when, you know, when someone asks you, like uh, people always ask me, like, how did I get into this? And it's like, well, like there wasn't a, a, a university degree in this when I was in my 20s, you know, going into Not college. Not on the CAO. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I wouldn't have even picked it if it was on the CAO, you know, back then. Um, so the, the story of how I got into it is actually quite long. So I'll just give you the short version. But essentially, in my early 20s, I started living abroad. Mm. I moved to New Zealand first. Then from there, I ended up getting a job in California. And well, while I was in California, like California and in, in when I was in my early 20s, like this is 15 years ago now yeah. at this point. So it was a real hub um, for, you know, sexual openness. It was a very like different feeling, a very different experience to what I had had in, mm-hmm. in Ireland, right? Especially around the world of sex. I'd had difficulty with my menstrual cycle since the beginning of time, right? Yeah. Since it started for me. So I was put on the pill very young. I had a very difficult time. Like whenever I would bleed, it would last for at least 10 days, yeah. potentially go for two weeks. I'd be on the floor and my life would have to stop, you know? So I never knew that there was a, a, a possibility to have a relationship with your menstrual cycle beyond, you know, going on the pill. Mm. And when I was in California, I was I was already um, practicing a lot of yoga and I started teaching and I was in all of these kind of holistic, uh, I suppose, circles. And women were talking about how to have alternative methods, mm-hmm. actually, of engaging with your menstrual cycle. So it started there. And then because I was like, wow, I, there's, I can ask questions and some people have different answers, it started over opening up my world. And then I obviously then started asking questions about sex, which led me into a workshop in San Francisco on female ejaculation. And then after this, I was like, oh my God, this is this is absolutely amazing. The way that you can engage with your sexuality and engage with sex in general in, in ways that are extremely open, also fun as well. Like yeah. there wasn't this kind of like fear around it or like, you know, once I was in these kind of um, settings, it was it was just incredible. I was I was shocked at how open everyone was talking about Mm -hmm. sex in general. I've never been around these kind of open conversations before. And I ended, I just kept having more questions and eventually the questions that I had led me into courses. They led me into trainings. So I got really, I was very interested in trauma training. I ended up going into somatic therapy um, and then somatic sex education. And somatic therapy for me was really it was really easy to get my head around. Mm-hmm. I had come from a background in um, animation, actually, yeah. where that's what I did in university. And for me, animation is like the, you know, it's like the study of movement, but it's also how do you tell stories through movement? And so when you think about trauma therapy, one of the big things they always say is that, you know, in trauma, our our body holds on to these stories. So someone who is, you know, um, feeling anxious is going to look different, even just sitting down to someone who's feeling depressed, to someone who's feeling quite happy and content. Yeah. The the language that your body is speaking is is available like to see, right? And so I was studying this in university, obviously through the form of animation. So for me, this kind of jump into trauma therapy and then somatic therapy was really easy because I'd already had this kind of background of training my eye to look at how bodies move and things like this. And obviously then when it comes to sex, you know, somatic therapy, just for those of people who don't know, when you think about psychology, it's very much at the level of the mind. So it's talk therapy, but somatic therapy is actually therapy that works in and through the body, right? So it's again, the language that your body is using to speak to you. So those cues that your body is giving you all the time. And it makes sense that sex and somatic therapy go really hand in hand, because when you're thinking about things like even like orgasm, orgasm is a sensation that you're experiencing in and through the body, right? Mm. So it's basically learning how to learn the language that your body is using to speak to you uh, so that you can speak back to it, Okay, right? In a very short way (laughs) of explaining. So it led me to there. And then essentially, um, I was still traveling all around the world and I was holding um, mini workshops. I ended up coming home and the first workshop that I held in Ireland was in 2016. It was called Orgasm. There was 12 women in the workshop and... What I was finding was the ans- the questions that they were asking were the worries that they had, the concerns that they were, the concerns that brought them yeah. to me in the first place actually were all things 
that came from a lack of sex education. Yeah. And if they had the sex education, they actually wouldn't need me at all. So as a result, I started holding these really small workshops for the people who were coming to me one-on-one because I was like, they, I, don't, I don't need to touch you. You don't need to, like, no one needs to touch you. You don't need to. I was like, you just need the, you need the information, you know? So I was doing these workshops and this was all over the world. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it wasn't just in Ireland because this, everyone needs this information, not just Irish people, right? Yeah. But when I came home, then I started in Ireland and um, then obviously then when lockdown happened, uh, I was due to hold one of these classes and I emailed all the, the women and I said, look, um, people are trying this stuff on Zoom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this workshop is going to work on Zoom, but we can give it a go. And if it doesn't, sure, we'll be out of lockdown in six weeks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Little do we know. Oh, the innocence. Yeah. <laughs> and um, everyone was like, wow, we, we've been waiting for months. Like they were on the wait list for months. They were like, do it, do it. So I happened to put up the rest of the places because at that point, Zoom, I had 23 women in the class. Zoom let me have 100% participants. Yeah. Just put the rest of them up on my Instagram story. And at that point, I had less than 2,000 followers and they were snapped up. And then I had hundreds of messages saying, will you do it again? I missed it. And I put it on again, 100 places snapped up. And then one of my friends, and this is so, so it'll just show, go to show you how I wasn't even thinking. One of my friends was like, why don't you up the limit to 500 participants? And I was like, oh, yeah, I never thought of doing that. So I did that. 500 places gone. And this was within a couple of weeks. And then it just kept rolling. And um, and the workshops like have, you know, anywhere from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand people in them. And now we ha- offer replays as well. So there's even more. So I did one this week. There is 9,000 women in it. 9,000? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's some number. It shows, I suppose, yeah. there is the curiosity and there is the desire for information and knowledge out there. And do you think maybe Zoom makes it a little bit easier for women to yeah. do it because if they're still embarrassed and is it, is it it's always women? No, I, no, well, now it's it's now it's expanded to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I started doing this. Um, it's like a, like a show. It's an online show. This, the sex toy show yeah. like, uh, before Christmas. And I do it like, you know, it's it's like the adult version of the toy show. Right. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like we never stop <laughs> wanting to play either. We just socially acceptable to not play. Right. Um, but There's in 20. 20- so many things I want to say there that are just not appropriate <laughs> for a sex toy show or any reference to the toy show. No, oh. no. <laughs> but um, I wanted to do that in 2020, but I, I, I knew I wouldn't be able to, yeah. you know, that that year, you know. So for me, it's 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 been this um very kind of taking one step at a time with it. So now everyone is in the workshops. People bring their partners, and we do couples workshops, and um, it's really open to anyone who wants to learn, you know. So. Yeah. So we have really changed them from what you thought Ireland was like. Oh, yeah. Versus maybe where we are now mm. around those conversations. Well, I suppose because you're pregnant now, I presume you are getting a lot of questions from yeah. parents around pregnancy, sex or even sex as parents. Um is there anything that you can maybe offer? Have you thought about doing workshops like that for pregnant, uh, for pregnant women or for parents afterwards who are maybe looking to? It's so funny because as soon as I announced that I was pregnant, yeah. I had like a flood of DMs being like, are you going to do the sex post babies and sex during yeah. pregnancy? Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, the questions that I get a lot around, let's say, sex during pregnancy would be um, like, is it safe to have sex during pregnancy? Also uh, around how do people cope with their um, body image and their yeah. body changing and then the other one would be uh, sex positions are huge yeah. right um, so trying to find comfortable positions um, for your body especially as it's starting to grow and um, you know there's and then and then there's also then the questions of like you know that you're during pregnancy, you know that you're having huge hormonal shifts and there may be an increased desire to have mm-hmm. sex um, or you may experience a lack of desire altogether yeah. where you're just like, I'm just not interested. And I mean, there's so many things that when it comes to uh, sex in general and how you maintain a sexual relationship with yourself and with your partner throughout your life as things change. But there are a couple of principles that I think are really 
great and you can apply to all areas of your life, regardless of whether you're pregnant, regardless of whether you've had babies, you haven't had babies. And some of the things that I would be saying to people would be, first of all, it's really important to look at your motivation behind having sex, yeah. right? So for we have sex for lots of different reasons and depending on what's happening in our lives, like that, those reasons change, right? So some of us have sex to... Um, to relieve stress yeah. or potentially it is to experience an emotional closeness with a partner or to experience that sense of intimacy. Maybe it's part of the way that you experience feeling loved or maybe it's even the way that it's even a way that you express love mm -hmm. itself. And obviously then the list goes on, right? There's so many motivations for it. And when you look at the motivations for sex, then suddenly then you, if issues come up or if difficulties come arise, it means that you can start to look at like, are there other ways that I could potentially relieve stress, right? Rather than just going for what we know and what's like what we've done in the past. Um, or if I'm looking for actually, if the reason why, why I want to have sex is that I'm looking for intimacy and connection, are there other ways to do this mm. without, again, like having to have penis and vagina sex, yeah. which is what most people um, relate to when they talk about sex. And the second thing would be then is to expand your definition of what sex looks like. Because if we were to ask someone like, what, what does sex look like for you? Most of the time, particularly in, in heterosexual relationships, you're talking about penetrative sex, right? Mm -hmm. Penis and vagina sex. But sex is so much more than that. If you go to lesbian couples, for example, and think about like, well, what does sex look like for them? There, I mean, there's no penis there, right? Unless it's a dildo or a strap on or something like this. So what's sex in that situation, right? When you start to expand your definition of what sex looks like, it has so many benefits to your life in ways that I, I, I don't know if I could fully explain to you. But essentially, the one of the biggest things that it does is it relieves the pressure yeah. of sex off the relationship, right? Um, and penetrative sex in particular. So, for example, if you're if, like asking yourself questions like, would you consider kissing sex? Mm -hmm. Would you consider kissing with clothes off sex? Would you consider hugging sex? Well, would you consider hugging with clothes off sex? And there's no right or wrong answer here. Like, would you consider a massage sex? Would you consider like a massage with clothes off, like I'm more erotic? Would you consider that sex, right? So you start to widen your frame of reference for what sex is, which means then that you're pulling the pressure off. So if, for example, during pregnancy, you don't you're feeling too tired, like mm -hmm. the fatigue levels are, are yeah. extreme, right? You're feeling too tired. If there might be complications and you have, it has been recommended that you do not have penetrative sex, but you still want to have that closeness. When you start to expand that definition, it means that you can engage sexually mm -hmm. with each other in other ways. And so those are two things that I would be like really saying, like learn to do this. It's so beneficial for every single relationship. And then with regards to positions, I think without showing you <laughs> the positions, it's hard. It's hard to give people an example. But, you know, there I do a workshop called called Woman on Top and part of that that this is one of to this day one of the most popular workshops that I have um, and the reason it is popular is because I it give people really very simple ways to change the positioning of their body so that the way that they're engaging in sex is actually comfortable for them and also pleasurable for the woman that's in the on top position. A lot of the time, you know, even if you're not pregnant, um, being on top can feel uh, quite difficult because, you know, you might have to have like strong thighs in terms of the way most people approach it. Mm -hmm. Your hips might be too tired or else you might actually because of the limitations in your hips, you might not be able to get into that position. So it's very simple ways of adjusting adjusting your body so that you can sustain movement in a way that feels good for you. Like as you're saying all that, I suppose, and we're th thinking about maybe the woman being pregnant and moving around, you're going to have in heterosexual relationships, you're going to have the, the man there maybe feeling, what do I, she's pregnant, do I need to be more careful? There's a lot of, oh yeah, there's an awful lack of education, isn't there? Around sex, I suppose, as a whole, but also around sex and pregnancy. And mm. that's maybe something that people, again, afraid maybe to ask of, ask information about. Yeah. And I, this is the other thing, right? Like when we lack sex education or when the sex education we've had is rooted in fear yeah. and prevention, right? And also when 
when there is a lack of uh, a lack of conversation, like normal conversation around sex publicly, like in society, sex becomes something that we think is secret. And this is really where we've come from, yeah. right? Um, I've obviously seen a big change in Ireland and that, like even since 2020, when I went online, the difference in the conversations mm-hmm. that I've been having with people. I, like, I always say this, like one of the first interviews that I had in 2020 for uh, a really well-known um, paper, the person who was interviewing was like, I won't be able to say any of these words. And, and okay. like the word she was referring to is vagina and vulva. She's like, oh, I won't be able to say any of those words. Oh my so God. even then, like we've come a very long way. Yeah. And even as well, like, you know, at the types of questions that people were asking me, like they were much more limited to yeah. what they're asking me now. Um, so I've seen a huge shift in, in Ireland. But when when there is a lack of conversation, there is a secrecy around sex. Yeah. And also we don't have the models of how to communicate about sex um, well, right? Mm. So therefore, we actually don't know how to ask questions. We don't know what questions to ask. We're afraid to ask the wrong question because it's about sex, right? So it's incredibly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we're afraid to say the wrong thing. So when we don't have those models of conversation, it's it's harder to approach. It's harder to approach when you have worries and fears. And it's also harder to approach if issues do arise, right? So it's, I think, one of the good things about having these conversations more openly and also having them more available and accessible to people is that people start to hear that, oh, it's okay to talk mm-hmm. about sex. And actually, it's it's not uh, shameful to talk about sex or it isn't seedy to talk mm-hmm. about sex. It's, in, it's just like any other conversation. We're winners, baby. We've won the National Parenting Product Award for Best Family Supermarket. From our fabulous Mamiya range of organic food, nappies, wipes and snacks, to our pocket-friendly groceries. Parents across Ireland know that Aldi is the perfect place to shop. And now we've got the trophy to prove it. What else could you wish for from our Mamiya range? A podcast? Way ahead of you. And that's a winner too. Honestly, we couldn't be nappier. Aldi, every day amazing. I'm talking to parents all the time and we talk about anything and everything and trying to conceive comes up a lot mm. uh, when people are talking to you and they might have different worries and you'll, I'll sometimes have strangers reach out to me and a few times I've had somebody say, I'm so ashamed to even say this. And mm. they're, in this case, you're talking about all the different reasons people have sex and on this for this reason, it's to have a baby. This is what, what these parents are, are setting out to do. But the one thing that they've, a lot of them have struggled with is saying how much of a chore it yeah. becomes that when they're trying to have a baby, particularly if it goes on for a while, mm-hmm. is is there a way that parents can or would be parents can try and make sex still fun as well as functional yeah. when it's all become around what time of the month it is, ovulating, mm-hmm. you're going to be home at four o'clock, I need your sperm, you know. <laughs> how do you move from, yeah. from that and try and keep it still magic? Yeah, well, this is such a big topic. It's one of the big questions that I get asked about as well. And so, something that I want to say as well is what, if you just think back to your sex education yeah. and you were probably told, like, it was, again, it's fear-based. So you're told, like, if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. Yes, yes. Right? <laughs> so we go into our adult life thinking that it's going to be really easy to get pregnant, yeah. right? And obviously we know now um, with the huge kind of uh, focus and visibility on conception and the difficulties and struggles people are having, the fact that people are more open talking about it, we know that that's not, that's not always mm-hmm. the case, right? So I think sometimes there's this element of, like, feeling broken as well that comes with you know, especially if you're trying for a long mm. time. And it's just to say that, like, look at the sex education. You were told, like, you were literally lied to when you were a kid to say, oh, it's really simple. The first time you use sex, you're going to get pregnant, yeah. right? Which is not the case for everybody. So the second thing with regards to sex becoming a chore. So I always talk about the idea of um, the productivity mindset versus the pleasure mindset, mm-hmm. right? And the productivity mindset, this exists in all parts of our society. It's how we grow up and really culture promotes the productivity mindset because it says to us that we're only valuable when we're producing something. So we think about work, right? And then we have this kind of achievement addiction on top of that. So we have to go to the next the next step on the ladder, the next step on the ladder. We have to continually be producing in order to be valuable. And this mindset leaks into our sex lives as well, right? So where we're only valuable when we're producing an orgasm, for example, right? 
So think of the amount of people who fake having an orgasm because they don't want to feel like they're less than or that there's something wrong with them or um, the amount of pressure that's put on having an orgasm in a sexual encounter, right? Because if you're not producing an orgasm, it means there's something wrong with you or you're not quite good enough, mm-hmm. right? Or there's, yeah, yeah, you're not quite good enough. The other part of sex in that is also producing a baby, right? So again, if if that's not happening for us right away, if we're struggling with this, if um, we're needing to have extra support and help, then again, it's this idea that you're not valuable. You're not, there's this like um, a feeling again of not being being good enough. So it's learning how to switch people from the productivity mindset to the pleasure mindset. So the pleasure mindset is about, uh, and if we think about, right, when it comes to, if we live in the productivity mindset, pleasure comes as an after to all of that. So I'm going to go to the gym for five days this week so that I can have my cheat meal on Saturday. If I don't go because I'm tired or something crops up and I go three times and I still have my cheat meal on sun- on Saturday, I will generally take a stick and beat myself up over it. And then we think about this word like guilty pleasure. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, had a nice, oh, guilty pleasure. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to go home now and have a bag of crisps and a, a glass of wine, you know, and it's a guilty pleasure that you're going to sit down, relax and do something that you feel pleasures you, yeah. right? So generally, Pleasure only comes as a result of having produced something, right? So it's about flipping that narrative altogether and learning how to put pleasure at the centre of your experience again, not because it's a side to uh, whatever you're experiencing or whatever you're doing in the week, but because actually we know that all systems function better. It doesn't matter what gender you are, how you express that gender. All systems function better when pleasure is in them. Mm-hmm. Your cardiovascular system, your immune system, your reproductive system, right? So it's learning how to, and that's a mindset shift first. So how do you invite more pleasure in your life in a way that you're not restricting it, you don't feel guilty? And that's often a really, really big thing for people. And the other thing as well that I would also say is like, again, learning sex skills is a really really fun way to start to make sex feel a little bit fun. So I do um, sex skills on like the blowjob workshops or the handjob ones. And then also like techniques for self-pleasure and other mm-hmm. techniques then for, you know, um, going down on, on your partner and learning how to pleasure them. And these are really good skills to learn because the thing about sex is, is that we are taught and we are made to believe that sex is just something that we are supposed to know how to yeah. do, right? That it's kind of just like you're given no information and you're thrown to the wolves, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to, you know, navigate the vulnerability and the the embarrassments as well that come in your early 20s, you know, mm-hmm. when you're experimenting. And you're supposed to navigate all of this and just try and, with no help whatsoever, figure it out. In no other area of our life are we expected to do that. We are not expected to do that when it comes, if we think about any other skill that we want to learn when it's something like art or something Mm -hmm. like this, right? You can be given an easel and a paint brush and some paint and you can work away. But generally it's going to be a pretty shit painting, right? Mm -hmm. Like until you learn, until someone teaches you, right, these are some techniques this is the brush that you would use for this type of paint. You know, maybe you find then that you're actually not very good at oil paint, but you're better at watercolour, mm-hmm. right? So again, there's so many things with even within that sphere and way of learning. But it's generally accepted that, first of all, you don't know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. the first couple of times, it's okay if you make yeah. mistakes. It's okay if you, um, you know, pr- produce a shit painting, for example. <laughs> And that if you get a teacher, you're more than likely going to learn some really good Mm -hmm. skills, some really good methods that you then can put into practice to become a better painter. Mm -hmm. But it's not translated. That isn't translated to sex. There's this idea that if we have to ask questions about sex, if we have to say like, "Mm, you know, I actually don't really know how to give a Mm blowjob or I actually don't really know how to how to finger can I say that mm-hmm. <laughs> how to finger someone um, you can well. say that we'll okay, that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't really know how to do this you know it's it's generally this idea that oh well if you're asking those questions it means you're bad at it which yeah. means you're bad at sex and then there's this stigma around this idea that you're bad at sex right that you're going to end up alone forever yeah. if you admit that so we, t- we tend to hide these these questions that we have I just can't see that conversation happening at the school gates though or yeah. at you know, I just <laughs> <laughs> or, or because I don't have we moved on enough to be able like is, is the expectation I think realistic 
I think it depends on who you're talking to. I think maybe it might not happen at the school gate right now but again that depends on who you're speaking to like I with the sex skill workshops that I have like I, there, there are thousands of people in these workshops mm. they they said I had um, one last year 3,000 people it sold out in an hour oh, right yeah. and, and people are bringing their partners to those workshops as well because it's like it's something fun to do yeah. you know it's something fun to learn and if you think about the pressure like we spoke about earlier the the one thing you need to learn how to do is learn how to take the pressure off sex. If you're thinking about the pressure that comes along with trying to conceive, yeah. learning how to um, give each other an erotic massage, lear uh, learning how to learning how to touch your partner's body in a way that works for them, like learning touch techniques, learning um, new ways, right, to um, pleasure a penis or pleasure a vulva is actually really like the process of learning actually can bring a lot of fun and laughter. One of the things that I always say, like when it comes to sex skills, is that in order to do that, you need to learn how to take sexual perfection off the table. Yeah. Because again, a lot of the time, the reason we will be, we'll stop ourselves from learning any, anything new is because we're afraid to be bad at it. Yeah. You know? Do you think there's, have you any tips at all, Jenny, though, for people when they do become parents and when time is of the essence and when they really want to maybe get their sex life back on track because you'll have so many parents tell you that it, it's it, finding that time to have sex they're so tired after mm. having after um, maybe being busy all day we back to the whole body image thing again that a lot of people will have hang ups around body image especially if it's only a short while after giving birth and then you've got maybe male partners who are afraid or, or female partners who are afraid to put pressure on the person who has just given birth and the woman's just given birth because they're you know they're going well she's recovering or she's you know she's tired How and there's that risk of maybe feeling rejected I suppose mm -hmm. there's the, the whole fallout that can happen yeah. the whole different rabbit hole maybe that people can go down in the worry that they're being rejected in some way if some if, if you can't make that time for sex so yeah. how do you fit it in? Yeah so I actually do have workshops coming out of this because even what you even <laughs> the questions needed. you've asked like this is this is a couple of hours of a conversation <laughs> yeah. that we could have but you know some of the, the, the smaller tips that I yeah. would give right would be first of all earlier on when we spoke about sex during pregnancy those things of looking at your motivation yeah. behind why you have sex and um, also learning to expand your definition of sex is really important again for taking the pressure off because regardless of what kind of birth you have had, it may be the case that you do not want to be touched, right? Yeah. And and I, I especially if you're in a heterosexual relationship, I mean, I haven't experienced it yet, but I even the feeling of it, the thought of it, the idea of, you know, something coming out of my vaginal canal and then a very short while later, someone else like pumping inside yeah. of it. Like I'm yeah. just like, I, that is not an idea that feels enticing, right? Yeah. So learning how to expand your definition of sex um, beyond penis and vagina sex is going to be really important because again you're still kind of you're still enhancing those the, the connection the reason why mm -hmm. you're having sex in terms of those um, emotional connections it's also really important as well like particularly when you've had a, a baby that you're you're learning how to be a team right in yeah. that regard as well so it means that when you see maybe you come home and you see your partner is exhausted because they've been minding the baby all day you know uh, you don't have to necessarily go towards sex, but you can still keep a sexual connection mm -hmm. where it's like, do you know what? Like lie down, let me give you a massage. And the massage can be a sensual massage. Mm -hmm. It can be a massage that helps support, you know, relieving stress from the body. It can also like, I mean, imagine it's so nice when you feel tired to have someone's hands on your body, right? Mm -hmm. To just even just be like, I'm just going to hold you, right? And mm -hmm. um, things that I would say for that is really important to like turn the TV off, right? Um, so that would be a, a really important thing to do so that you're just focusing on what it is that you're actually doing. Um, like there's different types of touch as well. Like if someone is feeling very unmotivated or even deflated, the kind of like tickly, light, feather-like touches mm -hmm. are really good for aliving and waking someone's body. If someone's feeling exhausted and tired, more firm and uh, longer held mm -hmm. touch is really, is going to really support someone in relieving stress and relieving tension. Another thing as well, um, when it comes to post babies is like the the tiredness yeah. is a real thing. Yeah. Um I get 
asked about it all the time. And when we think about what happens when we're tired, first of all, we haven't got the energy, the mm-hmm. reserves in our body to actually go towards a sexual experience mm-hmm. because everything feels exhausting. Yeah. And we have different we have different priorities and different responsibilities. And if the sex that we're having isn't alluring, mm-hmm. then we're going to prioritize different things yeah. like sleep. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so learning how to approach sex in a way that is alluring, right, yeah. for you and your partner, that looks like learning how to remove the sexual scripts that you have around sex. So sexual scripts theory is this idea that, again, if we ask people what does sex look like, generally they're describing steps of, well, it will probably start with foreplay, then it will move to penis and vagina sex. And then sometimes people will talk about aftercare, but oftentimes <laughs> it stops, you know, with an orgasm, someone orgasming. So it's learning how to change your definition of sex to a concept of sex, Mm -hmm. because the problem with the definition of sex means and sexual script theory means that sex, there's no novelty in it. Right. When there's no novelty in it, when we know what we're expecting, sex is less alluring. Right. Um, And and again, we'll start to prioritize other sex. So learning sex skills an amazing thing that you can do in order to flip that. The other thing about tiredness is that um, it's going to affect your body hormonally. Mm -hmm. So it's also you yourself relieving the pressure from yourself to feel like you have to have sex. There is a a research study done on women who had given birth and how quickly they return to oral sex Mm -hmm. because they are feeling obligated to have some kind of sexual connection with their partner and maybe penetration is off the table Mm -hmm. for them for whatever reason. But they return to oral sex really, really quickly. And the tone behind that is that, well, I have to, right? Mm -hmm. And when sex becomes an obligation, it is one of the quickest ways for sex, for your sexual relationship to die, right? So it's really important, again, that you're you're aware of that for yourself. um, Because oftentimes, like we don't think about the bigger picture like in 20 years down Mm -hmm. the line like do you want to be with this person do you want to have a fulfilling sex life with this person 20 years so you have to make sure that what you're doing in the moment is is um not setting yourself up for failure of that for that you know like I'm just thinking here and I have to be honest even when we were going to record the podcast I was just thinking how much my teenagers are going to love this they're going (laughs) to love their mammy they're going to love their mammy recording the podcast on social media talking about sex I mean what 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 more could a teenager want? Um, and, and I suppose talking about, I suppose, teenagers and older kids, and I'm not going to embarrass mine anymore, but if you are going to have those conversations around sex, how have you any idea, any tips or advice for parents into how they could have conversations about, about sex with their children? How much should they be telling them? Yeah, well, it's actually very interesting. The fear around talking to kids about sex is actually coming from our own lack of sex education yeah. or else the fear-based sex education that we received. But actually it's recommended that you're speaking openly about sex in your household with even very young children. Mm -hmm. And so obviously the types of conversations are different, but they are even saying from the research is that from three to four, you're teaching your um, children the correct names for their body parts. And this is incredibly important for a number of different reasons. Um, It's also teaching them that there's no secrecy, Mm -hmm. right, around their genitals and this. And that also that channel of communication begins to open already. And then as they as they get older, you're continuing to have those conversations. One of the biggest things that they say as well is that, especially around teenagers, that you and your partner or whoever it is in your household, that there's this open open conversation around sex. So one of the biggest things when people ask me about like, oh, you know, how do I talk to my kids around sex? I always say the best thing you can do is learn to remove the shame and stigma Mm -hmm. that you have around talking about sex because this will transfer to them. When you remove that shame and stigma and you find that like actually sex can just be any other type of conversation, Mm -hmm. they start to receive that information as well. Um, One of the things that I'll say is that I had terrible sex education in school, but my parents were really open about talking about sex around around me, around my sister, 
furniture around my brother. And, you know, it wasn't done in a, in a, in a weird way in any way, shape or form. But it was essentially like, you know, sitting at the dinner table, you would be absorbing lots of different types mm-hmm. of conversations. So, you know, conversations about school or about your friends um, or, you know, what you're doing for the weekend. And then there might be a joke or something mm-hmm. like this around sex, you know. So for me, it was always very clear that if I had an issue or I had a problem, I would be able to approach my parents. Now, I didn't want to engage yeah. in the conversation around sex with my parents. I, w- I was the person that would like have my fingers in my ear being like, <laughs> la, 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 I'm not listening. I'd leave the room, you yeah. know. It became a joke at one point, like to see, you know, how, how quickly I was going to leave the room <laughs> when the sex conversation started. But I also was extraordinarily open about sex with my peers because yeah. at that age, your teenagers will want to talk to their peers yeah. more than they want to talk to you, right? Yeah. Um, one really good tip that I have for uh, parents with teenagers is leaving books about sex around mm-hmm. the house because your teenagers are curious they will open them and you know having the right books is on the table as well I have a blog post about this yeah. on my website so um, people can look up some of those books and you yourself as well like reading books about the teenage experience yeah. they're having a very different experience to us now than we did yeah. you know when we were teens so it's really good to like um, be updated with like the way that they're absorbing sexual culture right which is I mean for us we didn't have social media it didn't exist it didn't exist for me it definitely didn't like it didn't exist for so many parents at the moment and what that meant is is that our peer group was a lot smaller it was more home-based their peer group is now global so they're looking at Instagram they're looking at TikTok all these things and what they're actually what you learn in teenage years is how to use your sexuality as a currency. So you exchange it for popularity, for friendship, you know, for love even, right? Isn't that actually depressing? It's, you know, it's worrying, but there are ways to manage it. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you're saying this and and it's so right. It's so, uh, you know, if anybody who's got teenagers or anyone at all is on social media and you're so aware of how they are bombarded with information and and sexuality and their sexuality is something that is really presented to them from a very young age, maybe far younger than they are ready to deal with it and absorb it. And just when you talk about it being exchanged in currency like that, it is... But there's ways to deal with. You're going to tell us the well, ways it, to deal it's, with it. It, it. But it also is like it's a, it's an important thing for, for parents to understand, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, to understand like that it is important to engage with your children about what they're looking at mm-hmm. online and even just preparing them. And this is why there's a lot of talk at the moment, not just around the conversation around consent, but actually around porn literacy, yeah. right? Teaching your children how uh, to to be able to digest and even mentally understand yeah. what it is that they might come across online, yeah. right? Uh, because it's so much more available. You know, one of the things like <laughs> that I say to my partner, I'm like, they're never having phones, they're never having tablets. But I know yeah. it's not It's not possible, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly. right? So, um, but, you know, and also as well, like I would be really saying as well, like looking at the school system as well, it's not just about um, educating them within schools like obviously I think home um, education around sexuality is really important because you also get to manage that relationship you know depending on what your comfort zones Mm -hmm. are as well I suppose it is it, it's that kind of difficulty, isn't it? About or, or maybe it, maybe it is that when you talk about our own kind of level of discomfort sometimes, and, and but it's also about maybe recognizing that your teens don't necessarily, as you pointed out so accurately, they don't necessarily want to have those conversations with you. Might absorb the information from you, but they don't necessarily want to have those. So going, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool mom, isn't going to wash. It's not going to yeah. wash when it comes to talking about these things in in a sit down way really you know it's not yeah. going to work that way it's but but being aware that they're listening to the way yeah. that you are speaking about sex they're also listening to the way that you and your partner speak about yeah. sex and they're also and one of the things that I will say is that particularly in heterosexual relationships this conversation tends to fall on, like the responsibility tends to fall to the mother right or to the female in the relationship and yeah. what I would like be most saying things. yeah and <laughs> what I would be saying is it's like it's really important that if you're 
partner is male, that he is also engaging and open with these conversations around kids as well. Like that just because, you know, you're going to talk to your daughter about her menstrual cycle doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you leave it to the mother yeah. alone. That like it's important that you know, your daughter knows that actually, well, she can come to you, right? If the mother isn't available, she can come to you, right? And speak to you. Um, So that there's more people in her network, right, as well. Um, So that's, you know, one one thing I would just say, (laughs) I'd love people to take away from that. Could I ask you about your your show, Sex Stuff? I want um, your live show. What's that like? Yeah. Oh, do you know what was so funny? That that actually came about because we were online. Yeah. There was thousands of people coming to online workshops. And originally, so before I offered the recording and the replay, a lot of people were coming, you know, in person or like in they were coming to the workshop and it was live. It was happening in the moment. And you can't see anybody in yeah. these workshops, right? Um, you don't even see a list of names. There's nothing like this. But there's a chat box and I always encourage people to be in the chat box. Yeah. And the chat box, I swear, it's it's the place that I would like to be when I'm in the workshops because <laughs> there's so much crack that happens yeah. in there. Um, I, I basically was like, do you know what? Like, I don't know if it's going to work as an in-person thing, but like, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, and I wanted as well, like sex stuff to be more than just kind of like sit on the couch and have a mm-hmm. conversation. I really wanted it to be a show yeah. and I really wanted it to be, to kind of give people an idea of like, you know, I suppose... Uh, nuggets of how they can be sexually creative, yeah. right? And then also just have a lot of fun, yeah. like good, good night out, you know? Um, so we ended up putting it on in Vicker Street and the tickets sold out in 90 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, which I was shocked by because then I got loads 90 of... 90 seconds? Yeah. Oh I got God. so many messages um, from people being like, Ticketmaster is down. And I was like, oh, let me check, you know, and see what yeah. the story is. So I called the Ticketmaster person, the count person, and they were like, oh no, it's sold out. And they were like, you actually have enough people in the queue to sell out five ni- five oh more nights. God. Do you have more dates? And I was like, uh, let's just, <laughs> I need to slow down. <laughs> I need to do one show, like I've never been on stage before, you know. So I was like, let's just do one show and see what happens. And then um, we were actually supposed to do more shows in September, a bunch of them around. But then with the pregnancy, I wasn't able to do it yeah. in um, in September. There was a, uh, something happened. So I was like, I need to prioritise my health yeah. and prioritise the health of the pregnancy as well. So um, but they are going to come back on, not right away, but um, uh, we're looking at dates in September. So, but it's essentially, like, it's a really good fun night. I've travelled all around the world and I've met so many really interesting people in the sex space. Yeah. And I went, I basically wanted to bring some of them to Ireland, you know, to just show people like, this is what's available to you. So we had... Um, can you give me some clue as to what yeah, people yeah. can expect? Like we had, uh, in the last one, we had someone um, who was a intimacy coordinator so worked on uh, porn sets but actually this was ethical porn um, uh, very female focused porn so uh, she was incredible and you know we spoke about porn literacy as well and then I had uh, I have these women that I know who are amazing performers and I essentially asked them to choreograph very specific scenes for me so Mm -hmm. one of them was like what it looks like to dominate the other one was like sense, sense play so sensual play which is like playing with or sorry sensation play and this particular one was playing with candles like so wax play so what that would look like we had a scent DJ who basically creates his own creates his own scents Mm -hmm. I actually collaborated with him to create my own pheromone perfume which we gave out on the night and the amount of messages that I've had about this pheromone perfume (laughs) it's essentially supposed to like activate arousal and I did it because I more out of curiosity because I had been, I love experimenting and I love buying all these kind of things that tell me they're going to do something and activate sex in some way yeah. for me. And I was finding they weren't working. And I was like, I wonder what the science is behind pheromones and is it possible to do something that's better? So I ended up collaborating with him. And, you know, one of the funny stories was that when he sent me the samples, I was spraying them around my house yeah. and um, and my partner and I weren't living together at the time, but I was spraying them around my house um, over a couple of days and I sprayed number four, which was the last one that I sprayed. And uh, my partner was coming over to make dinner and 
he came into the room and we were having a chit chat and like he's very opposite to me like yeah. I'm very open I'll talk about anything you know and he's not like this you know but then we started having a conversation and it was so funny because I swear to God like it was like his eyes turned black like you know like a shark you know the way you see they're about, <laughs> about, about, about to pounce and then like we just had an amazing experience together and um, so they worked so that one worked so okay, I, I literally four the worked. next day I messed I emailed him and I was like it's number four <laughs> so um, yeah and so we did that and I actually I had so many messages being like oh my god what the hell is in this spray so it's it wasn't just me that experienced it you know so we had those kind of things so at the forget show forget Chanel number five it's Jenny Key number four that's all we all need yeah I was like calling it fur moan as in like the moan part what is next then for the orgasm queen for um, I, I have more workshops coming out but they'll be on demand because obviously I'm I'm going to be focusing on yeah. me and 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 what's what's happening for me <laughs> personally um, and then we have shows later on in the year as well and um, I have an online toy shop and I've started producing like some of my own products as well aside I'm um, within that toy shop so it's a uh, uh, not not sex toys just in case people start to get excited about that like I think the sex toy industry is flooded enough you yeah. know and I think I, I really love sex toy products that are already out yeah. there but for me it's more like I created a sex blanket for yeah. example that went on sale last year and um, it's uh, it's going really well the spray is coming out um, in a couple of uh, months time I have other kind of kind of connection cards mm-hmm. almost which are actually really good for sexual communication yeah. and having those conversations with your partner so so, I mean, there's lots happening. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Busy, busy Busy, woman. Yeah, yeah. I'm always busy. Well, I'm going to extract some more information from you now with my quick fire questions. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this, okay. Jenny? Are you ready? <laughs> Romantic meal in and maybe more. What are you cooking? Uh, oh, my partner's cooking. He's the cook. Oh, he's the cook. <laughs> he's the chef. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What's your hidden talent? Um, my hidden talent? I actually, I'm a pretty good artist. Yeah, I can draw ah, pretty well. Okay, <laughs> so we'll watch that space too. <laughs> what's the one thing every woman should own? Um, what's the one thing every woman should own? I do think every woman should own a sex toy. A sex toy? <laughs> sex Any particular sex toy? Uh, I think that's de- that depends on you. Right. As a, It depends on you. It depends on your body. It depends on what type of yeah. pleasure you like. Um, but there, there's so many available. But I definitely think a finger vibrator is always good. Okay. Yeah. It's always, it's a little, it's a small one. It's handy to have in your pocket. You can take it away with you, you know, on a sexy getaway or whatever. Have have your, have your finger vibrator with you And you can use it on yourself or your partner, you know. So So you heard it here first. The one thing everyone can Surprise them. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Surprise, Jenny Keane. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us. And I'm looking forward to hearing a baby safe arrival. Oh, thank you so Um, much. Yeah, so keep us posted. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) A big thank you to Jenny Keane for joining us for today's episode. We would love to continue reaching new listeners. So if you've enjoyed it, please do share and tell a friend. And if there's a guest that you'd love us to have on, get in touch via aldi.ie forward slash Mamia. We're winners, baby. We've won the National Parenting Product Award for Best Family Supermarket. From our fabulous Mamiya range of organic food, nappies, wipes and snacks, to our pocket-friendly groceries. Parents across Ireland know that Aldi is the perfect place to shop. And now we've got the trophy to prove it. What else could you wish for from our Mamiya range? A podcast? Way ahead of you. And that's a winner too. Honestly, we couldn't be nappier. Aldi. Every day amazing.